Welcome to Season 3 of Dating After Death, a podcast dedicated to the journey of finding love again after losing your forever person. And I'm your semi-anonymous host, but if you know, you know. I just want to talk to you really briefly about better help as part of your journey toward healing, toward understanding yourself, and toward self-awareness. I don't know about you, but I have found that there is a lot to pay attention to in this post-loss life. My therapist really helps me to identify those things, to help normalize them for me, to help me to know that this is all part of the process and how to move through the really hard stuff. BetterHelp makes all of this easy. They make it easy for you to find the right therapist for you. They make it easy for you to do therapy from your home amidst a very busy life. The cost is incredibly affordable compared to what you would pay elsewhere. And I know several people in the community have signed up and have had good experiences. So I just want to really encourage you, if you are in need of therapy or searching for it, to check out BetterHelp. And of course, we have a code. So if you go to betterhelp.com slash datingafterdeath, you'll get 10% off your first month's membership. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for your patience as my computer was getting fixed and we had a couple week break from the pod. Today's guest is Julia, who is the creator and host of the website entitled Widow's Fire. So if you've been around for a little bit, you know we talk about the Widow's Fire. Julia defines Widow's Fire as a burning desire for sex following bereavement of a spouse or partner. I don't think that's her definition. I think it's out there, but that's the one she uses on her website. And the site is a place for people to connect with other like-minded widows, to meet friends, romantic partners, people who are curious about this topic of love, sex, intimacy, physical touch, and that burning desire that you might feel after you lose your spouse. So as you can already tell, because of the topic of today's podcast, things are maybe a little spicier than normal, so probably not one to listen to in the car with your kids, depending on their age, I guess. But also, this is really not about, like, raunchy sex craving like that. It's more about connecting with other people in a way that fills you up. And Julia is really creating a beautiful space where people can investigate what that means for them and how to satisfy those needs in themselves. So I'm so happy to have finally met up with Julia. We actually did this interview twice, once before my computer was lost to water damage and then again after. So you are hearing the second take. Both were equally wonderful. I have a lot of respect for Julia and what she's doing. We have a shared vision of making this a less taboo topic in the widow community, frankly, because it is my belief and has always been that there is absolutely no reason why those of us who have lost a partner should not be fully engaged in finding love again. Love is at the core of the human experience. And those of us who have already done this, who have already loved well, or even those of us who have struggled through love before, we all deserve love again. Anyway, this is a great conversation. There's lots to take away here from tips to encouragement to just a wonderful perspective on the whole topic. So here comes the conversation with Julia. Hi. Hi. Okay, we're going to just do this like we've never done it before. Because we haven't. We haven't done it like this. That's right. It's a new day. (laughs) (laughs) You could be a whole new woman compared to two weeks ago. I am, actually. Oh, great. Okay. So let's start with your story about you and your husband, and then we'll get into all of the goodness and craziness that have happened. So to be pretty quick about the backstory, because we all have our our story, but I'm actually these days much more interested in getting to the next bit. Yes. So keeping it pretty brief, um, I was 23 when I met my husband, he was 24. 
he was from London, England. We were six months long distance because I grew up in Toronto. And I ended up uh, moving over and straight in with him after about six months. We were just the best of friends, crazy about each other, built an amazing life together, lots of travel, lots of friends and fun and getting our first house. And then we moved into our next place and we had our jobs and promotions and plans. And uh, it was when I was about to turn 31. It was 2017. We were married. We had a great place. We wanted to have a family. Things were going well in both of our careers. And at the same time that I found out I was pregnant, we found out that he had a stage four bowel cancer diagnosis and mm. was 32. And so my entire pregnancy was spent as a caregiver and we really did our best. Uh, it was absolutely devastating. He was deteriorating and going through really aggressive treatment while I was pregnant. So I gave birth to our son at the beginning of March in 2018. And by the end of March, my husband was gone. Oh, so they had, they had a couple of weeks together, but it was pretty horrendous. And so it's been five years and I was, yeah, I basically had a birth and death experience within 27 days of each other. And it was, you were in your twenties in my thirties. So I was 31, very surreal, a lot of adrenaline, uh, rushing to get to the hospital in time to be with him after he crashed. It was following a routine surgery. Wasn't, you know, it wasn't a hospice slow you know, it was eight months of really intense illness. Yeah. And he just couldn't recover well from a surgery. And I was able to get there in time and we got to see each other and say, I love you and basically say our goodbyes. And he saw the baby and family. And so I got to be with him when he went. And I think that's best case scenario is that it, something as nasty as cancer gets you fast if it's going to do that to you and yeah. takes you out pretty swiftly. Mm. actually know that if I could speak to him, he'd, he'd prefer what happened. He yeah. didn't want to know he had X amount of time. It was very like, all of a sudden you're going, you're going right now. I'm like, okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So um, like, I don't, I know we don't want to linger on all this too much, but I think this is relevant. Did you guys have the chance to talk about like what was coming next and life after and all of that? A little bit. We did have a funny moment months earlier when a friend of his was going through a divorce, a friend sort of colleague, and he was really upset about that for his friend. And he kept bringing it up and saying what a lovely guy he was. So I, I chose and said, <laughs> okay, so if something happens to you, should I be with him? Like really just <laughs> getting around. And he actually paused and thought about it. And he had a moment of just yeah, I guess processing what would it look like if he wasn't there? And he said, you know, actually, I think you'd be pretty lucky. And yeah, it was very bizarre moment because it, there, it, it is what I was left with after when widow's fire kicked in, which it did even when he was sick, because we, we, we could barely touch each other, the state he was in. Yeah. So I experienced this term widow's fire that we're talking about today early on before he was even gone. And so when, when he died and I was making plans for the memorial, his colleague was my go-to contact for who to invite from the industry to mm -hmm. the event, to his memorial. And that actually was my first experience with someone a couple of months after having a baby. I was sort of seeing this guy who he oh knew and we both were in a big mess of life. He was going through his divorce. He had a couple of young kids and I had a newborn. And it wasn't a good idea, but you don't <laughs> know that. <laughs> you never know that when you're doing things, especially in those early frozen days of grief. Yeah. So I had so much longing, craving for intimacy, for touch, reassurance, just to feel something, the escape. And I also really wanted to know in my post-baby body if everything still worked. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I think that's so brave of you too, because after childbirth, I remember like, it was a good long while before I felt like, let's go again. 
<laughs> yeah, I was absolutely ravenous. It's the only thing I had on my mind. It was very much looking back a coping mechanism. You're looking for something to soothe you, like a remedy, something calming when you feel like you're going so crazy. And having just had a baby, I wasn't in a position, I don't know if I would have anyway, but I wasn't in a position to take drugs or drink a lot. You know, I was breastfeeding. Yeah. It was, it wasn't the time to numb myself in those other ways that people use. Yeah. So sex to me felt like this medicine. If I could just get my hands on it, it would help me for a bit there. Yeah. It felt like a solution. It felt like if I could just be with someone, it would fix this problem. And it is a very temporary solution, which is why I'm so fascinated by the concept once I discovered the term for it, because I can see how a lot of us look externally, like what can I, what can I do to help myself? And this person here can complete me. This will make everything better. There was yeah. this looking around, like someone's going to save me from this. Mm -hmm. If I could just get someone's hands on me, if I could just flow that love that I was consistently flowing to my husband, if I could just flow it, I needed somewhere for it to go. Yeah. So everything about it was my go-to in grief, which you never see coming. You don't know how you're going to react. People think they do know how they would re would react. Yeah. You absolutely do not. I had no idea in grief, aside from sadness and anger and everything we typically topic talk about, I had no idea you could want, you could have a desire for intimacy and, yeah. and sex in that way. Absolutely caught me by surprise. So, okay, my my girlfriends and I always talk about this, about like how there's sort of a spectrum of sexual drive. Did you and your husband have a pretty active sex life before he was diagnosed? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Yeah. It was better than it had ever been eight years in. We really were the best of friends. He was my favorite company. We had a really healthy dynamic, traditional dynamic. Um, I was really happy being married, having a partner, having my person for things. I'm very, I'm a very relationship oriented person. So that fulfilled a great passion for me in life. Yeah. So it's re that's another reason why it hit me that much harder than maybe some people that longing immediately, where is my person? He ticked so many boxes. I got really lucky Yeah. life in that way. I know what love what what good looks like I know what it feels like I, I understand that so yeah. when that was taken from me it was such a huge gaping like that just the void was I, there aren't words really mm -hmm. to describe when yeah. you feel these kinds of feelings and so because he was the biggest thing in my life I'm not as strongly ambitious you know, career wise, it's like, yeah, that's something to do. But for me, my purpose in life is relationships, friendships, family, marriage, you know, we wanted to have kids and do the whole thing. So yeah, no, we had absolutely a, a very active, you know, if you, if we hadn't had sex in a, in a couple of days, a few days, it was like, why not? Like we'd look yeah. at each other, like what's going on. And we really valued that. We really kept that alive as, as sort of a both both having a knowing that you kind of have to we value that otherwise totally. it's important you become roommates your friendship is, yeah. is all that's kind of keeping you linked and a romantic connection to me is very much based on you are my person who I do those things with yeah. privately sexual stuff my sexuality goes to you yeah so if there's not you that no <laughs> where does that where does lead? go yeah. 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 And I think it's interesting that the body also, at least for me, my body was also like doing things that I didn't expect, right? Like the, the, that deep kind of carnal craving. I mean, I just need actually somebody to hug me besides my kids and my best girlfriends. Like I just want like in the weight of human body also was a thing for me. I could just feel that. You know, it's not like my brain was like, it's time for you to be with somebody new. It was like, my body was like, please give me something here. Yeah, that's you right. Know? Exactly right. And, and I became insatiable. So when I was seeing someone, you know, I was dating a lot quite quickly. It didn't last with that first guy more than a couple of months. Yeah. And then I was dating a lot. I've been on every app I've dated older guys, much older guys, much younger guys. I've been on every app that exists. I've been on many dates um, and I've had a few short-term things. One's, one was a year long, but the pattern was that 
as soon as I had the opportunity for sex, it was just all consuming. It was, Mm. the word really is insatiable. It's like, as soon as we're done, I'm already worrying about when's the next time going to be. What if it doesn't work out with this person? I'll have to go a long period of time again without touch. Yeah. This frantic feeling, it's not the best vibes. It's not what you want to put out there. And as much as I would try to focus on other aspects of a relationship, it just, it was so overwhelming and I probably overwhelmed some people. Sure. I hear you saying both, like you're really relationship oriented, but then there was this like sexual drive too. How do you feel like you balance? This is the, this is what, why I feel like I've studied widow's fire for these Mm. years is because as much as you want the touch and the intimacy, it's not, I think the term widow's fire has this immediately sort of raunchiness about it. Like, Oh, burning desire for sex. Like these widows Mm -hmm. just horny widows. It's, (laughs) it's, it's so much more than that. And there's so much that falls within like the umbrella of sex. Like sex means different things to different people. Some people are just doing it for some quick fix, you know, lifestyle choice, whatever you want to do fine. But I have always been optimistic that, there, there can be a genuine relationship. And I, and that is what the, the real desire is. Yeah. In the meantime, it feels like, I think for some widows, it's like, I'll get what I can get as, and when I can. And there's just this panic underlying where there's like an impatience. We know how short life can be and you just want to get on. You just want to get on with things. So it's really hard to lay that groundwork. You know, when you've had a, a really serious relationship and a marriage, everything it took to build that. Yeah. It's frustrating to think, oh, and now I need to begin again with someone who we're, you know, older now. People have kids, people have exes, and all our circumstances are different. So it I feel like the dating culture is just it's it's just tricky to navigate because yeah. you want the things you want, but you're also having to think about longer term, what what am I, what vibes am I giving off about what I'm I think dating apps are great. You need to be intentional about them. Yeah. And it's so tricky because you're always like processing all these different considerations, right? Like, could this person be a long-term person or is he just a right now person? Or is this just for this, you know, sexual needs or whatever? Yes. And when you've been in a long-term relationship that built over time and there were ups and downs and there were things you liked or didn't like or had to tolerate in that person because nobody's perfect but I, my husband did it for me you know that I, I anything about him that was like ugh, I could that was fine I could it, it was fine <laughs> so what happens for me is when I meet someone there's such an open-mindedness yeah that you feel like yeah I could I can get on board with this and yeah. that and then you have to be careful with that as well because you're finding out a lot about, I mean, people reveal themselves to you over time and it's knowing when to move away from a situation. Yeah. And it's so hard, which is hard. I think, especially with widow's fire and as it's evolved, I've been able to recognize how often people settle Mm -hmm. because they just really will. They feel like, well, I'll take anything I can get. And you hang out in something for too long. Yeah. And deciding like, no, that's enough of this. And now I'll move, I'll explore again. Yeah. And so getting a little bit quicker at that has been something I've had to yeah. find yeah. soon. <laughs> I'm just thinking about like, like when you're talking, I'm hearing like all these different stories, right. From different people that have come through my head. So I'm like, I see that like the people who maybe have settled and ended up in something they shouldn't have. Then I also see like the people who write everybody off immediately and I found myself, this is just personally, but I found myself really in the middle of those two. Some days I was like, I feel like maybe I'm giving up things I I don't want to give up. And then on the other hand, sometimes I was like, you know, I can I can push through this hard thing and learn more about him. And like it took like a good year and a half for me to be like, I am so glad I waited it out with this guy because I got to the really good stuff. But that's like a long time and not everybody's going to get there. It's so complicated. Yeah, I'm just nodding along like crazy because there really are so many scenarios. I've I've just had so many experiences, which are so useful. Each date, each relationship of any length brings new information less about the people you're going out with more about yourself. Yeah. So every single person along the way has helped me 
just sort of tweak and recognize, like clarify, who am I? What do I want? What do I bring to the table? What kind of company am I? What am I like? What does this person bring out in me? Do I like that? Not like that. So intuition is stronger. And your, your, your body and that inner voice is often screaming at us at times where we just don't want to listen and we just kind of ignore because, you know, I want what I want and look, here's this person. So let's just make it work. And I, and I've definitely done that and felt what that feels like in the roller coaster, the highs and lows and the anxiety that that brought. I I will never go through that again. So I actually find being on my own in, in between, I recognize now how much calmer that is, you know, you have those moments of I'm sad, I'm lonely, like, am I ever going to meet someone and those doubts and everything creeps in. But overall, I can step back now and see that if I'm on my own, like, that's okay. And let's embrace that. Because it's actually much more peaceful than just trying to see where you can get, you know, scrambling around with someone who's you're, if you're not compatible in in the most important ways. Yeah. And uh, it's easy. It's, it's easier to cut it off quicker, but it is waiting till you feel intuitively that that's enough. Like, you know what? I've, I've gathered all the information and that's enough now. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about last time we chatted, you talked about this idea that you just touched on of like, what kind of company am I? Can you talk about that? Cause I thought that was so good. Yeah. When you meet someone, um, I think a lot of us are out on the hunt for someone who's going to do something to fix us or help our life or rescue us from something. And when you meet someone on a date it's important to observe yourself. How am I talking about myself, about my life? What kind of energy am I bringing? How do I feel as I'm sitting here? We look a lot to the other person. Are they going to like me? I was very self-conscious when I first started dating. I felt quite apologetic about Mm. having a child, like, oh, sorry, like I bring the baby, a fatherless child. Oh, sorry about that. (laughs) Definitely, even if I wasn't saying it, that those were the vibes I for sure was putting out. And, you know, sorry, I've got this widow label because it's hard enough, you know, widow is not a sexy label. Yeah. Um, so we already are up against, you know, what anyone would think of when they think widow. So I was like, yeah. Oh God, who's going to want me like a widow with a baby. Like I'm <laughs> in this unfortunate situation. And then over time, I've been finding out just by going out with, with different people, there are so many advantages to being a widow and dating as a widow that I don't think enough of us are owning. Yeah, absolutely. We really... I think all of us need to up our standards massively is what I'm seeing. The Yes, we're, we can be seen as having baggage. And I've had a guy say to me like, oh, well, you know, if, if we were together, like I'd, I'd be signing up to be a stepdad. And it's like, okay, cool. Thanks for showing me <laughs> that part of you. Like, right. I guess that's true. And okay. Like there, yeah, there's something actually really great about being a widow, which means someone wanted to marry you, you were married. Yeah. And from mm-hmm. and see, I only have my own story as a reference point. So I had a great marriage. So I think marriage is great. I'm not a divorced person. Yeah. I will always have this beautiful, romantic, tragic story with me that that I actually think I, sh- I should feel very proud of. And, and too often we kind of sit back and go like, oh, can you handle that? Like, right. Oh. No, is that too much? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's such an asset. Like we walked, we walked our spouse or our person to the end of their life. Like that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, there's there really is an abundance of just maturity and life experience, and having being a solo parent and and the responsibility I've I've taken on, and and I, I am proud of myself for how much I've been out there dating, and it's all been totally worthwhile, no matter how upset it's made me at times and how disappointed I have felt. I really do thank this thing called Widow's Fire that I discovered. I discovered the name for it two years in. It was the spring of 2020. It was locked down. And that's when I really came to understand this term and try to do something with it because it's actually- Where did you hear it the first time? uh, I must've been like many people who come through to the site that say they were basically Googling a feeling. Yep. So, so once there was a name for it, I immediately felt relieved, which is what I want to help other people to get their hands on faster, normalize it, get that comfort. And just knowing there are a lot of people that feel this way, Yeah. Um, but also seeing it as a positive thing. I don't want it to be seen as just sex. Like 
It's so much more than that. Uh, what I'm trying to do with it, my project for Widow's Fire is, is more tame in that I'm trying to encourage the exploration of your sexuality, your connection to your body, to your thoughts and feelings. What else does it mean? You know, you want that intimacy. What are you doing in the meantime? We can't just sit around upset in between sex sessions, you know, yeah. sex is however long that lasts the act itself. And there are many other hours in the day. And I was, my, my mind was being taken over by thoughts and concerns. When am I next going to have sex? Who's going to touch me? What's it going to be like? What's their body going to be like? I don't want to have to experience someone's naked body again for the first time. It's yeah. I don't know what I'm going to see and feel and what are they going to think about me? And it, it it's, it's a lot. And I just would love to soothe people in the knowing and understanding of this term and less about promoting, oh, let's just hook up with each other and let's widows and widowers like find people to just have sex with. That'll yeah. help. No, it will not help. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> all that that will help. Like, I just, my own experiences in five years of dating, having new sexual partners, heartbreak, you know, having your heart broken after experiencing heartbreak through a death and then going through a breakup. Yeah. There's so many layers to everything oh, yeah. that's going on with us after we lose someone. So I just want Widow's Fire to be a place people can can find us this like safe haven. Like, okay, you're here. There's a bunch of us um, on the actual community and dating site. There is a, a public area you can share your thoughts and feelings and, yeah. and post whatever. And then you also have a profile with a bio, you know, talk about your story a little bit, what you're looking for, where you're at. And then people can private message each other. And then there, then there's potential for friendships or maybe romantic connections, but it, it's not, yeah, I'm really not trying to promote something overly sexualized. It's, yeah. I can just see how it, it, it can, you know, if do what you want, but it can only get you so far because if yeah. you're using sex as a way to feel seen, to get the validation, to soothe your body and calm your body, fine. But then you have to deal with whatever comes after that it's like a, a hit of a drug like you get that yeah. that that medicine you get sex it feels good but then you're left with yourself again after you can come crashing down and that's yeah, and there is actually a person attached to yeah. the other side of that as well yeah yeah, yeah. people exactly. are complicated yeah i i'm i'm wondering you know like a lot of widows talk about going through a quote widho phase mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um do you, in your like experience and talking to other people, ever feel like that's? So this comes with no judgment because yeah, people do yeah, what yeah, they're yeah. gonna do. Do you ever feel like that's a wise thing to knowingly go into? I suppose it's it's almost irrelevant in that people will do whatever they're going to do anyway. Of course. So whether you think it's a good idea or not, there's so many things I did that I could never have been told that's worth doing or not. Yeah, you're it right. Happens that it happened. Just that's so happened. Question. I did all sorts of things, and then. I, you know, you end up where you are and you look back and you have some thoughts and feelings about the choices you made. And then you have to move into that self-love, self-acceptance piece. If I did what I did, I coped how I coped. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. It's sort of a silly question because people are going to do what they're going to do. I just, I remember going through a phase where I was like, I could do this. I, I could, but then like, I, I, I couldn't actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a casual sex person and I've had big gaps of time and then I look back some you know a few years ago and and it got to the point where a friend of mine said I think you need to have sex because I think you're thinking it's more special mm. than it has to be like you're starting to um Decise. yeah she was like I think you're you're feeling like this the next time has to be with you know a really special someone and mm. and you know you'll and and she was right I was I was romanticizing it. And then you do it, you know, I went on a couple of dates with a guy and, and it was like, Oh my God, I really do need to just rip the bandaid off because I'm, it's getting, it's just too much. I need to just see what this is all about and live life. And you give yourself all the, you know, you justify whatever you want to, <laughs> whatever you want to do. Yeah. And it's truly after I was like, Oh yeah, that's what that is. And if there's no connection to the person, there aren't feelings involved for myself. It's just not that great. Yeah. Everything's different, but that's where, even though I have, you know, I've really taken on board the term widow's fire and I'm trying to do something with it. It's coming from a genuine place of uh, promoting like a belief in love 
after loss, you know, there's lust and infatuation and it's great. I've had some flings and I've had like, you know, some crazy experiences that I'm actually really grateful that the fire took me in that direction and you have experiences in life and it, it makes for a rich life, but I'm absolutely yeah. not saying casual sex is the way to go because it's not for me, but I can see how it would be misleading when you look at the actual definition of the term where those fire. Yeah. The people that you have in the community, <clears throat> I notice they're from like all over, right? So there's several, I, I see a lot in the U S now you have a lot yes, worldwide, in- absolutely worldwide. Yeah. Okay. So how often do people who join the community end up actually meeting up or is it more chatting Yeah, it's hard unless people tell me what's going on. I can't see for myself because they have their private messages, but um, I do know that people have been meeting up. Some people let me know that they have and they say, thanks for this space. Um, And then there was a couple who met through the site. They got engaged and they're getting married. (laughs) So they've stayed online with updates and photos. And that that is so rewarding because that's the ultimate for me because I'm such a romantic and I'm such a believer in like love and I love all that stuff. So that's the ultimate goal for me. If people meet yeah. each other and just get together and have sex, like, okay, if that, you know, you got to go through whatever you, you need to go through. There really is no judgment. I'm just hoping that people take some time to, to check in with themselves about what they're really trying to achieve through the choice they're making. So just being yeah. more intentional with Widow's Fire, have an intention. Don't just like, oh, I'll sleep with whoever I can sleep with and I'll get validation. I'll get someone to, you know, want me. And that's all I, you know, the attention is what they need. It really is that it, it's really fleeting. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. just not going to do much for very long. So I'm trying to open up the possibility that once you find out about Widow's Fire, you also find out, find out about some other aspects of it. Yeah. Share about your dating and what are you really hoping to achieve? And yes, okay, you have Widow's Fire. Great. So there, we all have this little spark that ignites. There's different triggers for all of us, what ignites yeah. the fire. And then it can be very exciting to, to see where it takes you. Totally. I love that you and I have like a shared, you know, one of our missions is very shared and that it's like, you want people to know that there's a place for this and that they're not alone. And that like lots of ex- people are experiencing all of these things. And I love that you have a platform where it's like, if you want to take it to the next level of having a whole community of people who are willing to get together or whatever, that you have that available. You don't have an app, right? It's, it's it does connect to an app. So you start oh. at the website and then it does take you to a separate platform. What I, I love is the idea that people are out there meeting each other here as well as other places it's just it's another option for widows and widowers we have a tough enough time having the story we have so if there's that possibility you could meet an, a fellow wid yeah like that as another option because we do speak similar languages yeah with our experiences so i just like it as another option you know yeah. come check it out see if there's anyone near you we're still growing so there might not be anyone near you who you could actually meet up with but you never know yeah. you just never know so Even that, just girlfriends for coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just like the idea that I, I can give people a, a place to form connections. I'm less interested in in it being about what happened to me and more about like, yes, something happened to all of us. What are you doing about it now? But yeah, now what do you want? Because life really isn't over. Right, yes. And you want to be touched and and be able to touch someone. And that's such a natural, normal, basic human need. So the fact that it's not already normalized, it's like, this is, this is a silly taboo. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. It always confuses me. Like, why is this taboo? I just, I mean, I understand the, the like sort of guilt and maybe some of the shame early on, but it has always sort of perplexed me why this isn't just like an open topic. Like we deserve love everybody deserves relationships and love. So like, why would be, we be excluded from that? It's, it, I don't know. My brain's always like, I don't get it. So as somebody who has, as you said, been on all the dating apps and like been on a lot of dates, what's some advice you have for people who haven't been on any dates yet about like things that you found that have worked well or tips, suggestions, all that? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I would say my first experiences of dating I actually went in fully um going on them as like a throwaway date 
I think deep down, I'm a pretty, like I would, I, I attach high stakes to lots of things. Cause I just feel like life can be this great, epic, crazy, cool. You never know what could happen kind of thing. So deep down, there's always that like, oh my God, imagine if I went on this date and it turned out to be the next big person in my life. Totally. Point. You know, you never know when that could happen. So, so there was, there was that there I was carrying with me as well. But I also was like, let's just get this over with this first one. I remember getting dressed up, friends were watching the baby, walking to the local pub when I, this is when I was living in London and just kind of finding it almost funny. You know, <laughs> this guy just, there's no way, like this is going to be probably just, <laughs> just hilarious that I'm even having to do this. And then I'm even yeah. sitting in the situation. So I really kind of just got them over with for a while. Like, let's just get a few under your belt so that it, you know, it's never going to feel normal to do this. It's yeah. always going to feel weird. So why don't we just get that over with? So I, I kind of powered through the initial ones. It was just to get it done. So yeah, um, it was, but then it, in time, it started to help me figure out where I'm at and how I come across because you think, you know, what you're all about and mm -hmm. what you're promoting about yourself and the impression you're giving. I can sell confidence. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I can, I was doing great on first dates, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I, I couldn't have been okay. I wasn't okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. So it's, it had to take time and I was frustrated and impatient. Like how much time has to go by before I feel like I'm a, I'm a catch or that I can, I deserve someone like a, this unworthiness piece mm -hmm. as well. How many romantic comedies have you seen that end with one of the love interests dying? What if there was a movie that begins where those movies end? So there's a new movie being made, it's called Too Soon, and it's a romantic comedy that tackles the underrepresented journey of falling in love again after death. And for as little as $100, you can actually own equity in the film at wefunder.com slash too soon. So here's the story. It follows a young widow and widower who meet by chance, kind of in this dark humor way, on the day of their spouse's funeral. As they work through their grief, using music to process and humor to cope, their friendship starts to mean more, begging the question, when is it too soon? A question we have all asked. I'm so excited about this film. It's gonna entertain and tackle the grieving process of widowhood in a way that no other film really has done before. Help bring this heartfelt, timely story to life by becoming an actual investor at wefunder.com slash too soon. That's right, it's not a donation, it's an investment. Join our team at wefunder.com slash too soon today and become an investor in Too Soon, a new romantic comedy about loving again after loss. That's wefunder.com slash too soon, W-E-F-U-N-D-E-R.com slash T-O-O-S-O-O-N. Go check it out. You're talking about getting out there, getting a few under your belt, and I think it helps with your identity too, because like when you're, before you start dating, for me, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a widow. I was married. I am a mom. I'm all these things. And then once I started getting out on dates, it was like, oh, actually like, yeah, I'm a mom and I'm a widow, but like I'm dating and I'm dateable and this is a thing I'm doing now. And I think it just helped me get in that mindset a little bit. Yeah. And over time, I, what I noticed I was doing was I starting to track too much how, you know, basing my whole life on how long it had been since my husband had died. Yeah. So be like, it's been two years, it's been three years, I should have met someone by now. It's been four years. Like when my son was two and a half, um, I met someone when I moved back to Toronto. So I went on the apps and I went out with someone and, and I thought it, that could really be it. And we were together for a year and he had kids and and I was really up for it. Um, yeah. And I think that when you realize it's not working with someone, I go back to this whole sort of clinging to, to an idea or vision that, you know, if I could just be with this person, I could get caught up to where maybe I would have been by now mm. if my husband hadn't died. So yeah, this game of sort of catch up and tracking. And I've had to look at how that doesn't serve me because um, I, there shouldn't be an expectation that by a certain period of time, you have your life fully back together and everything makes sense again. But I really thought that I could, I could make that happen. I was so sure when my husband died that I could sort of solve grief or figure out a way to fix things and, and make it okay. And yeah. it's, it's hard when you realize you can't. And then 
at, at the five-year mark, it's like, so what, how do I feel about where I'm at? Like, what do, should it matter? Should I be looking at, oh, it's been five years, therefore, yeah. this, this, this. So coming back to your, your one, you know, exploring thoughts around dating and, and tips and things is, we want to be really careful not to drag every single date and experience you've had along with you to each new date. It's really mm. hard not to, but people get really bogged down and jaded and this kind of, well, you know, a string of disappointments. No, is it really a string of disappointments? People say often, oh, it didn't work out. And actually it absolutely did work out. It worked out exactly how it was supposed to. Mm. So each date that you think it's not going to go anywhere or a short-term relationship that ends or a longer relationship that ends, there's nothing wrong with the endings. It's just, we create this story about how nothing's working out for us. No, it's always working out. Look at all these really cool, different people you've met. I've had so many first dates. I've had a bunch of second dates. I've been seeing people. I've had my flings. I've flown around the world. I've taken my son everywhere. Like I've had so many experiences that actually, why would you want to meet some perfect person and lock it down straight away? And that's it. Because even if you think you've done that, as we know, someone could die. Yeah. It's there's a lot of this craving for what I now call a false sense of security. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're seeing this feeling of security. Oh, you're with me. So I'm okay. Again, in the big, bad world, it is a scary world. It's hard to realize you're on your own, but we were always on our own anyway. Even yeah. when you're with someone, we just you, didn't realize it before. <laughs> you didn't have to know about it. You know, ignorance yeah. was such bliss. I and think so- that that was a big thing for me when I decided to take my kids around the world next year. I, it was in this time where I was broken up with my boyfriend. And I remember just feeling like, I don't have to answer to anybody right now. I'm just going to like go do what I want. And I don't want to be married. I was married for 14 years. I was like, and that was, it was wonderful and great. Now I want to just like shake it up, do what I want to do, be selfish. And, and even in this long-term relationship, you know, like there are times where I'm like, maybe this is stupid to leave for a year. And other times where I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to do this for us. And it's okay. If we have you know, if everything works out and we have forever, it's okay to take this year for us and to like hold some of my independence. I think I really hold on to that still. I think that's great. It's it's like, it, again, it makes for a really rich life. Like this is your life. It does. So you can have these, I mean, it's all, it'll always be bittersweet because yeah. everything we're doing, we know we're only really doing it because we've had to to find a new path and carry on in some new way. But so everything that happens to us, if we could look at it with fresh eyes more often, Mm. because if you go on a date or you start seeing someone and all you're doing is projecting, which it's just hard not to. Oh yeah. That's the thing. It's just, it's really hard not to. How can you not use history as your reference point for so many things? Yeah. And that's just something I would, I would love to throw out there is when it comes to dating each new date, don't think, Oh, here we go again. You know, (laughs) go on the apps. Don't be swiping if you're not in the right frame of mind, because it's very disheartening. It can feel very discouraging and you meet someone and you, and you, you hope too much for them to be something that actually as cheesy as it sounds like you really have to be that to yourself. Yeah. Like more than, more than ever, everyone's got their own stuff they're dealing with. So if you find someone you enjoy, try to enjoy them without the pressure. And at my age, so I'm about to turn 37 and I have a five-year-old son and I've been married and I have a child. So I'm actually in technically a really great position to just take the pressure off, enjoy life. If I never have another child, you know, maybe that's okay because I do have one. I do know what that is and I have been married. So I know what that is as well. So being careful not to drag everything along with you into and into what can just be a fun, nice first date, a new connection. Some stick, some don't. Same with friendships. Yeah. People people stick around. Some people don't. Same with, same with, with romance. Yeah. We just can't know and you can't force it and you can only be yourself and then walk away knowing that you, you were, and then that's good practice. Yeah, absolutely. I think when people say that, like, dating app sucks. You know, it's, it's horrible out there. There are no good people that always really like irks me. You know, it's like, I try to be understanding of everyone's perspective, but to me, I'm like, there is an entire world of humans out there. 
these apps are out there to like make it easier for you to see who's single and who's also looking. And like, I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I always would like try to envision walking into like a street fair, right? And it's like, yeah, most of these people are not for me. So I have to like mentally sort of swipe, right? Every once in a while, I'm going to see somebody and be like, ooh, interesting. You know, it, that doesn't mean like the field is bad or there's just junk out there. It just means like, nope, not everybody's for you specifically. It might be for the girl next to you or the guy behind you or, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of people who aren't for you, but there are so many people who also could be yeah. and for different reasons and for different amounts of time. Yeah. So the length of time you're seeing someone is shouldn't be the measuring stick for how successful it was. Yeah. It needs to be, we need to look at that. In a, in a healthier, more productive way that if you have a great little time with somebody and then you have to say bye, then you have to say bye, but it feels like loss. And if you're already feeling like you were just burdened with massive loss, then lots of little losses yeah, can feel like it adds up and it's a bad thing, yeah. but, but actually someone else, someone new will always flow in. Like, that's what I, I have to remind myself these days. Every time it's, it's something's over you think you go into the scarcity mindset, I'll never meet anybody else. That's so not true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, there's anything could happen. We all know anything could happen. So something will happen that brings someone in and you want to be the best sort of version of yourself for that when person to do. So yeah. yeah, we have to keep finding ways to lift ourselves up. Yeah. And also like, you have to put a little effort into that, right? Like, it's not like if you're just sitting in your house thinking about how much you want to meet somebody, it's not going to just happen, right? Either you have to get on the apps or join a club or do a sport or do something to put yourself in a position where you're going to meet other people. And if you're not seeing anyone, you better make best use of your time when that's happening also. Yeah. Because I think some people are motivated by having a person. Mm Mm-hmm. And once, you know, once they've met someone, then life is exciting. So now I'll try harder. And now I'm going to put, you know, go to the gym or put makeup on or eat better or get excited about life. But yeah, you got to find ways to get excited about life anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because again, this with widow's fire, it's thinking that someone can help you or save you, make you feel better. We can't rely on other people to sort us out. So with yeah. widow's fire, I think there's, Sometimes there's like a victim mentality. I see it. Members coming through. There's a lot of sadness, a lot of loneliness, a lot of, of course. And, and that's absolutely valid as well. And there's a lot out there for grief. There's a lot out there, a lot of support, support groups, podcasts, everything to do with grief that there needs to be that. But mm-hmm. what I'm trying to create this project, the Widow's Fire project is trying to get the best out of people when they come into the community. Like what's going well? What are you excited about? Tell us about a date. Yeah. If it didn't go well, let's laugh about it. What happened? Yep. So I'm trying to attract a certain enthusiasm or a certain kind of widow, widower to come in. And, and I can't filter that. I can't, I mean, yeah, we, we are get sad, but I think when it comes to dating, we can't, like you said, the whole, there's no one out there, people complaining, dating apps suck. And it's like, what is it doing for you to complain about it? Why are we <laughs> putting that energy out there? Like it just isn't helping anybody. Yeah. And the grief stuff is super important, especially at the beginning. And I want to acknowledge that like, you know, Julie and I are three and five years out from our husband's death. It does change over time, right? At the beginning of things are very heavy. And, but for me, in order to let go of some of that guilt and some of the like grief, which is scary because it feels like letting go of my husband, like I have to lean into the fun and the good things about life. And I think dating is one of them and relationships are one of them and love. And for me personally, it's like, and travel and experiences and, you know, yeah, yeah. all those the things. Was, I was so angry. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I just hated other people's happiness. I hated it. I was, I was bitter. I did my best, but I was really angry. I was like a lot of like screaming and crying and resentment and just really nasty, like intense, awful, awful, awful feelings. Most of the time, Uh, even though you're functioning, like I was a fully functioning human being, but uh, there was this underlying partially functioning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then these days, especially when it comes to dating, because I would take it a lot harder when something couldn't take off or couldn't get momentum going on something with, with someone. 
And now there's just kind of like, all right, like, you know, you kind of get, you got to build up that experience. There's no shortcut to it. Now it's like, you're not from, you know, you're not interested in the same way I am. I'm like, all right. Like that, that sucks. But like, it's easier now to look at it as like, well, you're lost. You know, I have, I really do feel like I have so much to give the right person. Like I'm a naturally very nurturing sort of maternal person. I like to look after my people, be of service, like take care of people and, and go out and have fun. And, you know, I can, I I've really got my shit together. If I may say, like, I, I really do. Yeah. So now it's easier to look at people who, you know, it's not, nothing's happening in a way that I would think would be great. Like, let's do this. Like, yeah. life is weird. let's go for it I'm up for it and when people aren't instead of taking it personally I now see it as like okay well good luck then yeah <laughs> like I've got it together and if you want to join and yeah. build into that awesome yeah but everyone's dealing with their own stuff and that would be another thing for people to keep in mind when you go on a date yes you are on the date what are you like on the date how are you mm-hmm. presenting yourself what kind of company are you and then also remember that the person on the other side of it is going through their own stuff and we can't know what they're really dealing with. And I've been out with guys who are on their, you know, I'm their first date in 10 or 20 years yeah. and they're very nervous. And I just feel for people. It's just tough enough. It's, it's not the other person's fault if something doesn't work out. Like, you know, people are getting on with their own lives and, and everyone has their own preferences. And, and when it comes to sexuality and what people like that's the other area you have to navigate which is are you sexually compatible because when it comes to romantic connections it's like that's a lot of what I'm in it for like if I like you in that way that's like I'm choosing you for that area of my life you know that is its own whole other piece yeah it with when it comes to widow's fires finding like finding out what you like you know, whatever you used to be like, or always did with your husband or what he liked and all of that, that yeah. evolves with, you know, when you meet new people, it's like, oh, so what's your thing? Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. What do you, what am I going to find out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Which, um, yeah, it's all kind of nerve wracking, but it's this roller coaster of life that you might as well just go for it. I think when we hold back and we're too afraid of, of, where life will take us. I mean, there's, there's a lot to be excited about in the unknown. Yeah. So it's hard, the vulnerability involved in like getting naked and, you know, having had a baby, it's like, Oh, I wish I could show this person what I used to look like before I had a baby. It's like, why am I doing that to myself? It's there's a lot, but it's, that's the mess in our heads. Like in, in the community, there's an area you can talk about body image and, you know, issues you're having, thoughts you're having. and, And there is a lot of vulnerability around showing yourself to someone mm-hmm. it, there's there's so much in that that we just kind of gloss over when it yeah. comes to intimacy and sex and everything there's something to be said about like revealing yourself and and everything about being naked with somebody new yeah Again, yeah it's, it's a big deal like why why would we act like that's not a big deal like <laughs> it is a big deal and it can also be really beautiful when somebody accepts and appreciates a body that has been through things and that you don't love as much. And then somebody else is like, I'll take it all. I do love it. I think there's something before we sort of do quick questions and finish up. There's something here about, you were talking about how you're dating for that aspect of your life, right? Like the partner and the daily companionship and the the sexual intimacy I've heard a lot of people, and I think this is really important to think about, talk about how your person like doesn't have to be your everything in your life. And for me, that has taken a lot of like mind shift because my husband was like my best friend, go-to everything person. We did everything together from the theater to the Cubs game, right? It was everything. And when I started dating this guy, he was like, I just, I'm never going to go to a musical. And the first thought in my head was like, well, maybe I can't date him. And then I was like, that's stupid. I can go to a musical with my mom or my girlfriend. He doesn't have to be everything. He can be a lot of what I need. But like, I think we can fill our life with so many beautiful people. And I think it helps sort of open up the idea of who we can be with. Absolutely. I've had the same realizations as you over time that I've had my needs met by so many different 
people in so many different ways. And you realize that, you know, a lot of people can compartmentalize. This person is for this, this person is for that. But when you've had the experience of partnership where they are your everything and you do everything together and you live with them and you go to them for everything and anything, it, it, it takes time to come away from that yeah. way of seeing a romantic connection. So I know what you mean. And it is a, it is a process to shift the mindset in that way. But what a beautiful thing to be able to allow different people to provide different, different things. It's too much pressure on one person. Mm-hmm. Click in the ways that you click. And especially as we're getting older, it's just different. Yeah. You're meeting people where they are most set in their ways. You can't ask, you should never ask someone to change who and how yeah. they are. So it's on you, you accept, or it's not, you know, if he ticks enough boxes, great. Why not enjoy what you have? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I've built such deep relationships with women in my life that I never had when my husband was my go-to everything. So I appreciate that about this new relationship too. That's good. Appreciation counts a lot. It does. All right. Are we ready for quick questions? Yes. Okay. Um, What are the dating apps you've spent the most time on? I've been on all of them and I hop, I've hopped on and off of them. I'm off all of them at the moment. Okay. Um, But I've been on everything match hinge bumble tinder i mean it just absolutely everything i've I've, i really have been any that you're like don't even try this one no i think that the what the thing that a lot of people forget is the dating apps are to to make the connections and then when you meet anybody you could never know what they would be good for for you so when people go on an app thinking it's just for relationships so this one's good for meeting people who are interested in long term this one's for hookups it's like you could never know once you finally meet that person in, in person, what you'd really want with them. So I think it's actually ridiculous that any apps have a reputation for being for anything in particular. Yeah. Like it's just, you get what you get, you match with who you match with, and then you take it from there. Some people, you do nothing more than exchange a few messages done. Some yeah. people get to the point where you meet in person. Maybe it's one date, maybe it's five, maybe it's a relationship. How could the name of the app be able to provide you the knowing that that you know the person you meet on this app you would want for this thing it's ridiculous and so many people are on multiple so yeah oh yeah do you see yourself getting married again someday I would why not okay yeah and more kids I would (laughs) I could for a little while (laughs) don't know okay what have you done with your wedding ring I took my rings off really quickly because as much as I'll love him forever, it's a contract of till death do us part. So um, I do like the ring. Sometimes I just have popped it on here and there for whatever reason, but, but no, I, I, I tucked it away basically quite, quite quickly. Okay. Basically Uh like also tell the universe, like I'm open I'm open to whatever's next for me, but I did get a little tattoo on the inside of my ring finger with his initials. I love that. Um, did you share your marital bed with anyone new? Yeah, the the friend of his, that colleague that I was with soon after that, that was in our last bed we had together. And then um, I got rid of that bed when I moved back to Toronto. So okay. I can think about that ever since. Okay. Did you submit songs for me? Uh, I'm going to go with... Kenny Rogers song, The Gambler. <laughs> I think that the lyrics to that song, and it's what I used for my husband's memorial slideshow thing, um, has just a great, simple message. Um, Are you going to sing it? Got to know when to, to hold him, when to fold him, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There's, there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Hmm. just something really lovely about that message that I just I think is a nice reminder about life like there's a time for everything and you got to hold some cards close to your chest and know when like you know when enough's enough and when that's it and but you know like you gotta have our so appropriate (laughs) (laughs) okay awesome how do you think you've changed the most since your husband died uh I think I think it has emphasized aspects of me that were already there, but now I'm more aware of them than ever. Uh, just who I am as a person, um, what I value, 
what I believe is important in life. Like all of this, like I knew that about myself, but now it's like, oh no, this, like now I really know this. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, after loss, you feel like you want to shout certain things from the mountaintop. Like, guess what, everybody? I kind of feel like this is what it's all about. It's pretty simple. Totally. Like, listen to me. Trust me. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I think I just, I I feel like I understand what's important to me, how I want to move through the world, how I want to treat people, what I believe in just spiritually. I just, I just, yeah, you get to know yourself all of a sudden like crazy because it's back to you where you were sharing your life with someone. Now it's, oh me, who am I? And you have to question yourself a bit, your identity. What does it mean if I'm not a wife anymore? And like life isn't going to be what I thought it was going to be. Oh my God, new vision, but who am I in that vision? So it, it's pretty cool. In a lot of ways, yeah. it's pretty cool. And what is one thing you're looking forward to? Uh, I think the ways in which my son is teaching me about life. Um, young kids have really great things to say about the world and how, you know, the lens that they're looking through. So I'm really excited to have his presence in my life along the way. There's something exciting about that. Like he's going to do things and say things that will open up my world. So it's just enriching my life to have him around. So I guess I'm excited to see what, like basically what he says next. Because some yeah. things are so profound. So true. Like, oh my gosh, you're so wise. <laughs> and then we just screw them up, you know? And we, we mess with them. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited, about, I'm excited about him, my little family. That's awesome. Well, Julia, thanks for doing this twice with me. I'm really- I'm Very, very different. Right? Yeah, they were. And that's grief as well. It depends when you catch someone that, that what day, what kind of day they're having is, is, which is what I think is so fascinating about episodes that are recorded because it's a snapshot in time. Mm-hmm. You're at how you're feeling that day. And it's, I, I can feel it's a different perspective. Basically my energy is different than the last time we spoke. So it's a whole yeah. conversation. I, I wish I could compare them, but it's been lost forever. Yes. So doesn't matter this is the one that is meant to come out this is the one that's gonna Thank you so much to Julia for this episode, this great conversation. If you are interested in learning more about Widow's Fire and the community she's building, check that out at widowsfire.com or of course you can follow her on Instagram at the same name, Widow's Fire. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week.